Stafford is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught! Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. Well, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, both them of all ages, the boys from TDU proudly bring to you the Thunder Down on the Chargers podcast 2023 opponent series. What is going on, everyone? It is great to be back in the host chair. Andy here, of course. Joined as always by Jack and Alistair. Fellas, God, it's good to see you two both in the studio. How are we? Loud noises! That was <laughs> 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 uh, Awesome to have you bang, back mate. in the host seat, Andy. It's fantastic. Thank you both. Thank you both. Did have a fun time over in Europe, in case you were all wondering there. No, I'm not new to the show. I've just been away. If you're a new listener, thank you. If you're following us on YouTube, uh, however you listen to your podcasts, Thank you. We appreciate your listenership. Give a like and subscribe if you haven't already. It is just about our favourite part of the uh, the off-season for the three of us. Um, we're getting yeah. stuck into the first part of four episodes coming at you, analysing the Chargers 2023 opponents. So uh, without any further ado, let's get stuck into the NFC North and take us away, Jack, with Chicago. All right. Well, if you had listened to the show for a long time, you'll know that I like to get a little bit creative with my introductions to teams. Uh, and this is no different. So I have actually uh, penned a poem called, Oh, 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 Chicago. Uh, and I will read that out and we'll go from there. So where the cold winter winds blow, where the field and fans are sometimes covered in snow, the Bears of 85 are remembered so because it's been a long, hard slog for football in the famed city of Chicago. Michael and the Bulls brought fame and fortune on the basketball court. Is Fields the equivalent in this different sport? Will Moore, Claypool, Mooney prove to be Pippin, Kerr and Rodman to defences thwart? Eberflus and Poles have yet to stamp their Chicagoan passport. However, all is not grim for the dark blue and tangerine. They will continue to grow, develop, and slowly they will begin a path to redeem. Justin has the weapons to use his arm, yet a balance of run pass will still be the expectant theme. Edmonds commanding in the middle of Williams' scheme means the D will begin to gather steam. Yes, the Bears are one of my favourites in my 2023 season daydreams. But I think playoffs in the NFC North are yet still a pipe dream for this proud passionate Chicago football team. There we go. A little bit of creativity Ooh. to start us off. And listeners, in case you can't tell, Jack's on school holidays at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> too much yeah. time to myself. That was brilliant. Uh, yeah. Um, that was Eminem M&M, M&M areas rhyming tangerine there. That was very good. Yeah, actually, I hadn't Loved thought it. of that. Was uh, out for that and then bang. Well is it is it tangerine or is it orange? I don't know. It's, it's orange, but it's orange. Yeah. Okay, well we'll get there. Um, I wanted to start. Up, would you, Jack? Yeah, I know. Um, I wanted to start from just looking at the draft class of the Chicago Bears because there's a clear, um, I guess, plan that they have 
drafted absolute monsters. If you look at Darnell Wright in the offensive line, 6'6", 3'3", 5". Gervin Dexter, defensive line, 6'6", 3'12". Uh, they've gone cornerback Tyreek Stevenson, 6'2", 2'14". Zach Pickens, South Carolina, 6'4", 3'05". These guys have got a plan. Uh, they are building. I think um, you know it's going to be an interesting game playing them. But um, yeah, I just wanted to start there, and, and I really like Eberflus. I, I really like Poles and what they're doing. I think they're going to be a difficult team to beat. I still think we beat them. Um, Alistair, I'll throw to you. Anything that you picked up on from the Chicago Bears uh, that might be interesting to our listeners? Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like they're channeling that monsters of the midway of their past, yeah. and they know what they like to do in Chicago. They like to to run the ball and they like to play defense and I think it allows you to kind of pursue that vision based off what we saw from Justin Fields last year which was essentially being the best running quarterback in the NFL um, Justin Fields was an interesting case last year like he still has a lot that he needs to work on um, listeners will know I like to bring a bit of data to the discussion and I thought there were a couple of interesting uh, data points. Justin Fields's current average time to throw last year, it was 3.45 seconds. Only Malik Willis took longer. So we're talking about a guy who's holding it on forever. He's going to need to improve in that respect, I think, if he's going to make it long-term as a starter. 32.7% of his dropbacks were play action. And you see that a lot from play callers who aren't fully trusting of their quarterback. They use high rates of play action to try and make reads a little easier and get the defense moving the wrong way. Uh, and he also caused a lot of his own pressures. Uh, PFF assigned him responsibility for 23.9% of the pressures he faced mm -hmm. and only hurts Lamar and Deshaun cause more pressure for themselves. So we're seeing this kind of vibe of a guy who invites pressure, holds it on too long, but you know what? He had 1,100 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. So I don't know. He, he He's exciting. I'd be excited if I was a fan. I think he's just shown enough Definitely. for Ryan Poles to go, let's fortify the offensive line, get him a megastar, let's trade for a wide receiver. I don't know if I'm convinced he's the long-term term solution just yet. He needs to improve his passing. Andy, what say you, my friend? I tend to agree with you. I think um, I'll wait for, like, the proof is in the pudding. Um, sure, he has the dual threat, uh, the dual threat capabilities, running and, and throwing the ball, but I am just haven't seen the, 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 the wins, haven't seen the, um, the numbers for him in the air. Uh, they've done well, the team, to build around him with DJ Moore, as you said, and I really like the, the drafting of Roshan Johnson. Um, who was Bajan's, Bijan's backup. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think they're quite there yet. Uh, and even though I don't really rate the strength of this division, um, I don't think they, they make the playoffs as a wild card. And I don't think mm. they win. So, yeah. When have we got them? I think we've got them early, early on-ish. Week eight, uh, Sunday night yeah, football. Sunday night football LA. at home. So, yeah, I think we... We get the primetime win over them in this one for me. I, I, I'm actually going to disagree with both of you and say that I think Justin Fields is going to have a breakout year. He hasn't had anything to throw at, absolutely nothing. And when he has had the chance, I think he's got a decent arm. And I did a little bit of, of research and looking at the numbers as well, Alistair. Um, mm. You'd be surprised that I've done something like that. No, not but at they've, all. They've, they've clearly gone and found these athletic freaks in the draft. But, you know, with Claypool and Moore on the outside... Um, 
Um, I, I have a feeling that there's going to be, rather than Fields trying to hit targets, I think there's going to be a lot of jump balls. Claypool in his 2021 season had 17 contested catches as when he was with the Steelers at a contested catch rate of 41.5%. DJ yeah. Moore in the 2022 season had 13 with a contested catch rate of 56.5. Now, to give yeah, context to those, num- to those numbers, Mike Williams, as we call him the best contest- contested catch guy in the NFL, um, his 2021 was his best and he had 21 at 51.2. So Fields has got two guys there that I don't think he's going to need to anticipate too much they're going to be burning they're quite fast as well Mooney's also quick and he can probably go into the slot a little more because he played last year four of four out of his five best games from the slot so I think Eberflus's job is going to be to get these guys on routes where they can use these skill sets um, I've called this a little bit of a Trojan horse because that's going mm. to be quite a challenge for our DB group um, and I think what we've got to force fields to do is throw the balls outside the numbers um, where you can bracket these jump balls with with safety and, and double high coverage, essentially. But 1,100 yards on the ground, eight touchdowns. I think Kendricks is going to have a really big game at middle linebacker being that, uh, that QB spy. So just a little bit. How about of a, Derwin as a... the QB spy, Jack? I was thinking about that as well. Could you... I know we like to rotate our safeties a lot, which is good to trick the young quarterback. That kind of stuff works on young quarterbacks. Maybe good, well, either or Kendricks could do the trick too, but I'd be inclined to lean towards Derwin perhaps. Uh, I feel Derwin's probably better off bracketing. I'm not too, ca- mm-hmm. I'm not too ha- with Gilman and, uh, and JT Woods at the top there. I, I, I sure, don't know if they're sure. physical. I mean, Claypool and DJ Moore, they're pre- Claypool especially is a big physical guy. Um, and depending on if what the DB room looks like, I think there needs to be some physicality at the top there, not. Um, and, and I think that's where DJ um, Derwin James is going to be. I, I'd hope to see him. I have a somewhat controversial opinion on the um, DJ Moore trade because I, I know you want to give, uh, you know, give your guy a weapon because he had nothing last year. I agree with you, Jack. But he's the type of receiver that I see as like not quite a wide receiver one as just beneath. And to that point, three of the five seasons he's had in the NFL, his reception percentage is under 60% when targeted. And just to give context to that, he was ranked 40th in the NFL this year of actually catching balls thrown his way. So they're paying him, like they've eaten his contract, which is more than $20 million a year. So they're paying him like his cream of the crop. And a bit like Mike Williams, I think it's bad business to be paying more than $20 million a year to these wide receivers who might not be worth that or might not be elite, especially when you see that defense. And I'm just looking at it now, boys. I don't like... I Look, they were the worst defense in the league last year, basically, at least worst in the run. Can you see them being that much better? Because it looks like a bit of a youth movement going on. There's a little bit more experience in the in the middle of the field, which I think mm. that mm. defense really needed. But I think they're pretty pretty thin at, at cornerback, um, and it, you know it's just a lot of work for Kyle Gordon and Eddie Jackson as far as against the run. I just don't see that much strength in um, in what they've got in their front seven. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, um, it, it's a building team, right? Uh, I, 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 I disagree with the DJ Moore as well. I've, I think Claypool and DJ Moore are relatively young. Mike Williams is, is older than both. Um, I, I, as I said, I think you, you try and build a team around your, your quarterback strengths. Justin Fields' strength is not necessarily throwing. Well, we said that about Lamar Jackson. He can throw. Um, sometimes these guys are restricted by what they have around them. 
Uh, listen, the defense will need work. Um, but as I said, I think there's there's a clear plan. Give Poles and Eberflus uh, another maybe three years, and, and I yeah. think this team might be pretty solid. I guess we'll find out. They could have used that pick 11 on, you know, Quentin Johnson or Jackson Smith in Jigba and pay not much for a rookie wide receiver. They chose to pay 20-something million for DJ Moore. It's going to help him. We'll see if that was the best way to spend that money throughout the year. Well, when you've got the cap room, why not? I mean, they're, in, they're not in any cap issues. So roll the dice on DJ Moore. And to DJ Moore's credit, he's finally got a call back that's half decent throwing to him. Poor guy's had absolute piss um, <laughs> piss being thrown at him. So uh, I guess we'll get into <laughs> predictions. And um, I've gone the headline of what will be in the morning after that, uh, that the Chargers play them. And, and the headline in the morning is warm LA weather puts the Bears to sleep. And I think we win this one um, by, by a touchdown or more. Yeah, I'll, I've also gone a touchdown um, or more. At home, Sunday night football, one of many primetime games, and uh, Herbert takes the chocolates. Meltdown alert, Justin Fields. Hanging on to the ball too long, Mac and Bosa end this man's career. Uh, oh, oh wow, end nah. his career? Nah, nah, nah Wow. Nah, nah, nah. That's just- <laughs> Save that for two, mate. <laughs> <That's-> yeah. <laughs> I don't have to, he'll do it himself. Chargers get it done, 28-17 for me. Nice, nice. All right, Al, do you want to jump into the Detroit Lions? Yes, I certainly do. So the Detroit Lions, hard knocks darlings of the NFL last year. Um, They're struggling to find a hard knocks team for this year, I've heard. But the Detroit Lions were a compelling view last year. But it cooled fairly quickly because they lost five games in a row to start the season. One and six. Everyone kind of forgot about them. But then they finished like a steam train, winning 10 of their last 12 games, beating Green Bay at Lambeau Field. Narrowly missed the playoffs, but everyone's very excited about what they could do this year. Now, Dan Campbell gets all the attention, but really I think the star of this team is the offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. He's become that next hotshot offensive coordinator. He's got the kind of um, pelts to the wall where he's got a maths computer science degree. So a bit like uh, Patricia the rocket scientist, everyone just says, oh, he's a genius. He's doing stuff nobody's ever done before in humanity. Um, but to be honest, he, what, he, what, what he did last year was uh, fairly incredible because Jared Goff is no, nobody's idea of an elite quarterback and he had 29 touchdowns to seven interceptions last year and the Lions scored the fifth most points in the league. Pretty impressive. I think if you'd, offer, if you'd suggested that to anyone before the season, they would have said, what are you talking about? But it's now created this, I say, uh, uh, a difficult situation for the Lions. And I'm going to throw this question to you, Andy. Uh, when, when the Lions traded for Stafford, uh, sorry, traded Stafford for Goff, they received two first-round picks. Now, they used one of those to move up for Jamison Williams last year. And then you would have thought this offseason was the one where you go, all right, let's get our quarterback. Jared Goff has kind of done his job for a year, but, you know, let's go. That's not what they did. Instead, they traded that pick and went back to 12 with Arizona. And what they've done instead is picked up Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta. So you've gone Jamison Williams, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, but you've still got Jared Goff. They draft Hendon Hooker in the third round to have another quarterback in there, but they're going in. Goff, Goff is due $30 million this year. He's due $32 million next year. Um, what do you reckon, Prof? Was this the right move to go with Goff another year or should have they kind of bit the bullet? Um, I, look, 
First of all, I'm really bummed that I got on the Lions about three years too early and now they're starting to cook in the pan. You did, you did. I'm looking back going, where were you? Why couldn't you have backed me up right at the start of all of this? Um, I didn't hate the trade uh, back with Arizona because I thought that this year was not the year. If you didn't have pick one, uh, this year wasn't really the year to to take your QB. Jared Goff still owed a lot of money. He he played well last year. Um, mm. I was really surprised with what they did. I mean, I don't hate the first four picks that they got, but how they sort of went about it, like taking Jameer Gibbs at 12, they panicked because um, Bajan was already gone. Jack Campbell was a surprise to me at 18. Sam Laporta I like, uh, getting him at the top of the second, and Brian Branch, who you know, arguably was picked around the numbers that Jack Campbell was. Real interesting. Um, bold strategy, Carton. I wonder if this will pan out. But uh, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess, you know, like I said, Jared Goff's still, he's playing good, putting up good numbers. Um, their fifth best scoring offense in the league. Um, maybe, I mean, it hasn't kind of worked out with uh, Jermaine, uh, Williams, sorry, um, because he's now suspended another six mm. games uh, for Gambler. Um, we'll just see if, you know, they can get it done with Jared Goff. And if it doesn't work, then, well, then, you know, Dan Campbell's head might roll because it's a bold it's a bold uh, decision that him and Brad Holmes have made to mm. hang on to Goff. I like Jack it. Jeff. I mean, remember, remember, Goff, Goff. Mr. Contrarian is, today. Jack's just Goff, like, go, yeah, hey, Goff, you guys go, yeah, disagree, on. you idiots. Yeah. No, no. I, I think Goff. Remember, Goff was a was a top two quarterback back in the day. You yeah, know, one. and 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 remember that um, McVeigh tried to get it done at um, at LA. He probably just Goff didn't have the raw talent that someone like a Stafford or experience that Stafford has. I, I don't see any issue with Jared Goff if you've got an absolute numbers guy on the sideline just going, ah, ah, quick slant right, the equation of that is underscore four, quick, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what that was. Um, I liked it. <laughs> and you but know I what, think this, Jack, I think you can't win the Super Bowl with Jared Goff this year. That's my view. So I think they're yeah. going to have to get rid of him eventually. But, but, uh, but like, do you think they, they can win for the Super Bowl? But are they going for the Super Bowl? I don't know. Every I think Dan Campbell has been questioned at every turn that he's taken. And so far, he's producing a fairly decent football team that has yeah. some kind of identity. That the, the Detroit Lions were out in the wilderness for years. Um, but at least at least there's something there. I also have a sneaky feeling that Jack Campbell might be a defensive player of the year rookie uh, candidate. He just he kind of exudes what Dan okay. Campbell wants in the middle of that uh, in the middle of that defense. Gibbs was weird. Um, I love Laporta. I love I really like Brian Branch as well. Hendon Hooker again. I would have preferred him over maybe someone that we took, but mm. I like him. I like him. I like watching him. And let's not sleep on Amon Ra St. Brown. I think Gun. he could yep. be the next big thing at wide Gun. receiver. Um, Great slot he receiver. is fantastic, fantastic to watch. They've got weapons. They're fun. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Have you got us they, beating them, Alistair? Yeah. Or? No, well, well let, let me speak on behalf, as I like to do, the analytics community, because this is a fun thing. When you look at a team that uses pick 12 on a running back, Jimmy Gibbs, and then pick whatever it was, 18, 18 on yeah. a linebacker, yeah. Jack Campbell, you look at the first four players they selected, and it looks pretty good because they ended up with Laporta and Branch in the second yeah, round, amazing. right? Yeah. But if you think about who they could have got instead of Gibbs and Campbell and look where their weaknesses are, 
Jameer Gibbs could be someone like Van Ness or Will McDonald to help out the pass rush. And Jack Campbell could be Quentin Johnston or Smith in Jigba to help out uh, Amon Rasay Brown because all they've got is Marvin Jones and Josh Reynolds next to him. So I just yeah, but they had Jamison Williams. Like they had Jamison yeah. Williams before. So you can't you can't say that. I don't know. I just think they had there were positions like higher value positions they could have taken there. Yes, they're good players. Have they missed a trick again? We'll find out. But Jack. To answer your question, the circuitous route I like to take, uh, I have the Chargers winning by between one and six points at home against the Detroit Lions in week six. It's another W to the Bolts. Yeah, me too. Um, I really want to see how these two first-round picks of theirs pan out. Um, I'll take the Bolts. Yep. Just to be clear, love the players. They're good. Like Gibbs and Jack Campbell, hella fun. We like them. So it's nothing against the players. It's about where they're taken in the right spot. They've I done, think a, lot. They've done yeah. a fair bit. Sorry, they've done a fair bit to improve their offense, which was 28th mm. or 29th overall last year. Um, mm. Adding veteran cornerbacks and Chauncey Gardner Johnson as well in the slot. Um, it, it could be pretty fun. Uh, I have us winning by within a score at home. The headline in the morning will read thus: "New King of the Jungle, Herbert roars into MVP form." because we have them uh, at home in week 10 in the middle of the season. So I think this might be the game where Herbert goes, thank you very much. I'm in contention for MVP and we win the game by a touchdown or more. Nice. Nice. All right. I'm going to jump in with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, 13 and four regular season last year, won the division, the NFC North. Uh, fell victim to the Dayball Bulldozer and Danny Dimes-led Giants, 31-24, on wildcard weekend. Bit of a surprise to all the NFL there. Uh, another shot goes begging for a Vikings team that, um, look, it can be summarised simply by that 13-4 record with the fact that they had a negative point differential. I think Unbelievable. they were 11-0 in games decided by eight, or, well, eight points or less, one score. Um, and yeah, a real kind of sour way to, to finish that season uh, last year. Um, they've lost experience, leadership, familiarity on both sides of the ball. Adam Thielen, Irv Smith Jr., Dalvin Cook, disappointing for, uh, for them, where their run, their run game really couldn't afford to sort of fall off any further. Uh, Eric Kendricks, Adarius Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Patrick Peterson on defense. Um, big changing of the guard. Ed Donatell and Mike Zimmer out. And from Miami via Pittsburgh, Brian Flores finds himself in the defensive coordinator role, running his aggressive base 3-4 under front. Um, a vast contrast to the, the defensive hold, really, under, under Zimmer. Holding fast, being accountable. Flores has spoken about how he wants to attack and make his players fly around and always busy, always got a job to do. Does he have the, uh, the youthful exuberance required from his men? Um, they've brought in Marcus Davenport, offers agility and suitable run-stopping ability. Dean Lowry, probably a handy pass rusher at best. They picked him up from Green Bay. Um, and I've read from various Vikings outlets during my research on this team that the return of former first-round pick Lewis Sign will be very special to this defensive unit. Apparently, he's already flourishing under Flores, um, which could allow Harrison Smith in that safety role, sorry, which could allow Harrison Smith to play a more natural position up in the box as a blitzing threat. Um, even with the addition of Byron Murphy, I think their cornerback room looks a little bit bare. 
uh, and there could be a fair fair bit of reliance on second year Andrew Booth Jr. and second mm. rounder from 2023 Mecky Blackman. Um, but yeah, look, we'll we'll see. Like I said, um, losing Dalvin Cook, 1,100 yards, eight TDs. Might be a big hit on their offense, relying on Cousins dominating. They've still got very, very good weapons uh, in the wide receiver room, adding Jordan Addison to that. Um, but like I said, some stage when you have all these close games, the tides have got to turn and uh, perhaps just won't fall their way too much. Um, Al, how do you see their season going this coming year compared to how it did last year? Do you see a I think, difference yeah. in that record? I think you're right. I think variance will get them. I think the differential really tells the story. They got um, a la Collingwood last year a bit for the Aussie listeners. You're winning a lot of close games. Uh, their test will be, can they repeat it and show it wasn't a fluke? Tell you what, Flores is going to need to make some chicken salad out of chicken shit here because <laughs> that, that, that is a pitiful front seven. If you look at the uh, Daniil Hunter is their best player. He had 12 sacks last year, but the Vikings are apparently fielding trade calls for him as well. He held out of right. minicamp. So this is a major transition year, I see, that you can, as you just spoke about, Andy, they've offloaded all of their vets. We're the beneficiary with Kendricks. And I think that's good. It says that um, Quezzi Adolfo Menza, their GM, and, and you know, you've got Kevin O'Connell who has a lot of capital um brand capital they're saying look last year i think we got a bit lucky kirk cousins is probably going to be offloaded next season let's see what we can do this year but we're trying to transition and quasi called it a competitive rebuild at a recent interview so i think they know where where things are lying at the minute and i wouldn't be surprised if they dropped off a bit from last year hey jack fantastic corporate speak there competitive rebuild uh, to make sure that they don't get fined for dropping games. Uh, I think this is going to be a exercise in stopping players named Jay. Because if you look at their wide receiver room, find me another wide receiver room that has more Jays in it. Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, Jordan Addison, Jalen Naylor, and KJ Osborne. TJ uh, Hawkinson, Josh Oliver. TJ Hawkinson. In the tight end room. Mate, yeah. ludicrous. You're onto something. Josh mate. Oliver, Johnny Mutt, they're bloody everywhere. So, uh, but, but, but let's be honest, it's going to be week three. It's going to be the Jordan Addison versus Quinton Johnson Bowl. That's what it's going to be. Who's going to make more of an impact? And you'd argue perhaps that, you know, Jordan Addison might be second in line there behind Jefferson. Uh, Jalen mm. Rager's never really done much. Uh, uh, a bit of good, good chat about Jalen Rager and, and Jalen Naylor uh, so yeah, far through training camp. So who knows? KJ Osborne, I think, is a really underrated slot receiver too. He's, he's quick too as well. I mean, it's it's a quick receiver room, so it's going to be interesting to see how they try and dice up Staley's defense. Um, but I guess I'll go to the um, to the to the the morning after news report, and I have it as Jefferson hits big, but Cousins can't think quick. I think it goes down to the wire, and Cousin has the ball. Cousins has the ball at the end of the game but throws a dire, dire interception to lose the game for the Vikings. I think we win. Who picks it off? Three, three points. Aloha Gilman. Oh. oh. Picking up to all the smoke you've blown up at uh, Asante Samuel. Might, might have been the benefactor. Yeah. Uh, like, you've, like you've got the first round wide receiver uh, battle. I've actually got the, uh, the linebacker swap grudge match. Troy Reader to Minnesota. Eric Kendricks Ooh, to the I Chargers. Like that. 
Yeah. Um, more writing on this for the legacy and pride of Kendricks, generally considered to have um, or been labelled as falling off the perch a bit last uh, last year and to be a shadow of his former self. So time to prove his old purple people eaters wrong. Uh, for Troy, let's see if he can sniff the field, then maybe we'll come back to this. Um, and I'm <laughs> looking forward, to, like I said, to Lewis Sign. Uh, yeah. Missed his rookie year with a broken leg, so kind of a rated rook for mine this year. Yeah, he's good, seen. Yeah. Uh, I've got the Chargers winning this one. Um, yeah, I think we'll be able to uh, get this done pretty comfortably, I think. Yeah, I think it will be a no pain, no gain kind of setup where we'll have to survive some blows in 11 personnel. Jefferson had nine catches for 143 when we played them a couple of years ago. Might have to let him off the leash and just find a way to win anyway. Charges by between one and six points from me. Cool. All right, Ellie boy. Uh, Jack, have you given your prediction? Yeah, win there? Yeah, yeah, just, just, I think, within three points. Uh, oh, do you want to round us out with the Green Bay Packers? Yes, I do, mate. And Aaron Rodgers leaves town to send now the end is near. And so I face the final curtain. Jack <laughs> waving him off. As he goes, fuck off, Rogers, says Jack. <laughs> but this is the first time since 1993 that Packers fans, Dan included, Andy, uh, yeah. they've headed into a season without either Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback. That's and unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's up to, what is it, 30 years. Yeah, so 30 years. Rogers takes Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and Adrian Amos with him. They all go, see you later. We're heading off to the Big Apple. And the question is kind of what remains. And it's a massive show of faith, although it could have been more. They didn't give him a, a big extension. They just kind of tweaked it a bit to make him happy. But they look at Jordan Love, a 24-year-old quarterback who was a first-round pick in 2020, so still young. But what are they basing it off? 91 NFL dropbacks he's had. And listeners will recall he had that pretty terrible start against Kansas City in 2021 mm. on Thursday Night Football where it looked like he'd almost never played the sport before. But then last year, I think what has whet the appetite for Packers fans is he came on when Rodgers hurt himself against Philadelphia in Week 12 and he had nine dropbacks and he looked good. He looked really good. Went back and had a look at those. He's reading coverages, showing off his arm talent. He throws one to Christian Watson on a crosser, 70-yard touchdown. And that I reckon that would have played a role, that and obviously what he's doing behind the scenes, for them to say, okay, now's time to have a look. This We spent a first-round pick on this dude. Um, he sat for two seasons. Let's see what we've got. Um, so that that's really going to be the focal point and determinative of how this team goes. A question for you this time, Big Jack. Mm. How do you think this team will structure themselves under Jordan Love? Because you've got Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, who between them had you know eighteen or nineteen hundred rush yards last year. Are mm. we going to see a reversion to you know the run to daylight Vince Lombardi Packers <laughs> of the nineteen sixties? Or with this kind of plethora of young receivers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, Jaden Reed, yeah. are we going to let Jordan Love air the ball out? What's Lafleur going to do? 
No, I don't, I don't think he's going to be airing the ball out because if you look at their draft strategy, they've gone Luke Musgrave and mm. they've gone Tucker Craft at tight mm. end. That tells me that they want uh, short yardage gainers anywhere between those those medium routes, so anywhere between 5 to 15 yards. Um, Christian Watson is a fantastic route runner. He's speedy as well, so he can. he's kind of in that wide receiver one. Dobbs is a decent route runner. Um, and as you said, Jaden Reed, Jay Reed. Um, is, is, is quite handy in the slot. So I think it might be more of a choose the best route or choose the best option uh, because I, I, as a, I think both Musgrave and Kraft will probably start, will start to see a lot of them in, in, um, in two tight end sets early on. Um, Jordan Love, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to be. It's going to be an interesting one. I mean, their line still looks good with Bakhtiari, Jenkins, um, and we've got one of my guys, Zach Tom, um, who's, who's holding down right tackle there. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's going to be an interesting one, but I think it's going to be more of a controlled offense. Run the ball with Aaron Jones. Let Jordan Love make easy decisions. What say you, Andy? What do you reckon? I think that last little bit is exactly what I think is they've brought in Two big, well, Luke Musgrave in particular, big body mm. tight ends to just add a little bit of camouflage to the the blending of the pass and the run game. Um, they've still got a great line that's more than capable of protecting uh, and looking after Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And then they've got some firepower in the, in the wide receiver room as well. So they've got options to do a bunch of different things and just sort of see what kind of works for Jordan Love um, and how he's going to really grow into and have this offense grow around him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see. I don't, I can't quite put my finger exactly on it because I don't know where Jordan Love's precise strengths lie and what mm. kind of, you know, system he's going to be able to, um, to really flourish in. But I think they've drafted pretty smart. Um, and, and it's, it's sort of a competitive rebuild in it, in itself as well, because um, like, you know, got rid of a, a bunch of guys uh, when, when Rogers left, it's out with the old and now the wide receiver room is all incredibly young. Um, it's changing of the guard. Let's flip the conversation to the defense. Cause that, oh, this is something I can, that I can tell ooh. you. That's, that's where I was going to go because they are loaders on defense. Okay. You, you can, you go off then sound off. Jack. Oh, I just, Kenny Clark gun. I love him. He is a big, big man. Devonte oh. Wyatt, big, big man. TJ Slayton, don't know too much. Lucas Van Ness, the new, <laughs> the new Clay Matthews. That's who Lucas Van Ness is going Don't to know be. Don't know you. Lucas Van Ness. <laughs> you've still got Preston Smith. You've got Devondre Campbell, who led the league yeah. in tackles, I believe, last year. Yeah. Or was very high. Rashawn Gary. Key Walker. Jai Alexander, who's one of my favorite cornerbacks. Uh, Rasul Douglas. This team is is loaded on defense. It's, this is going to be a hard one. I think Herbert's going to see a lot of pressure from the middle and up the mm. guts. Uh, it's this, I, I think, I think this is going to be a good defense. I think but this Jack, a, this will be a top but. five, top five defense in my mind. This that's well, interesting. Great segue. Cause that's what I predicted last year on our preseason predictions. I said, this defense is going to be excellent. And there's no more hated person in green Bay than defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. Cause that Joe team Barry. with it, were the fifth highest blitzing team, but had the sixth fewest sacks. And Chargers uh, listeners, this is something to take note of because Joe Barry runs our defense. He runs the Fangio scheme. And let's talk about it quickly. 
because there's a real question about whether this scheme is the best scheme now in the NFL. So what does this scheme do? It is a 3-4 scheme generally. You have three down linemen, two edges who come up. They believe in light boxes because their primary strategy is we want to stop the pass, limit explosives. On the back end, they like to play quarters coverage, four deep, or cover six, which is a hybrid, meaning you've got kind of cover two to one side and cover three to the other. So it's almost like you're bracketing a good wide receiver because you can have your two deep on that side of the field to bracket the best receiver. They rotate the safeties pre and post snap. So it's all about confuse the quarterback, give him one look and then change it post snap. This had a lot of success early on against some quarterbacks like Mahomes and Josh Allen who like to push the ball deep because they'd see one thing pre snap and then there'd be a switch or a change. It's complex and they'd throw it. But two years later, it seems like offenses have worked out that these cover four, cover six defenses, they've got a lot of weaknesses, short passes, curl flats. If you're patient, you can just move the ball. And because they don't have people in the box, you can run the ball with impunity and pick up five, six yards at a time. And the other thing is all this disguise that makes things difficult for quarterbacks it's also difficult for the defenders. So yeah. they pride themselves on no explosives, but some of these defenses are actually giving them up. And the Chargers are a great example. It's so complicated. You look at Nas Adley or Loie Gilman and they've given up their 70-yard touchdown and they can't stop the run. So, uh, look, you'd think after I've just launched and given a dry tribe like that, I'd say the defense is hopeless. I'm not sure because Staley tweaks it, but the accusation from Packers fans is that Barry doesn't. He's so stuck and he's doing the same stuff and the de defense is getting shredded last year. It's, it's interesting you say that, um, you know, obviously J Joe Barry is a Fangio acolyte, but that he blitzed as much because Fangio's defenses don't tend to blitz. They rely on the right guys in that front seven to do their job and not, you know, not send more than five blitz essentially because you want the guys in the backfield not giving up those explosive plays. Mm. So they've got the bodies. They've got the guys in that that group of, you know, seven or eight Just imagine if guys. Flores or someone like Belichick had that defensive roster. Luke, I think that's what Packers fans would say. Like can this guy yeah. get the best out of them? We'll see. We'll see. They're probably more likely to, you know, uh, give up less, sending less. Um, that's that's a weird one for, for mine, for how he runs his Fangio defense. Hopeless blitzing is almost the unspoken antithesis of the Fangio defense. Uh, all right. What do you reckon, Al? Where does this Chargers. Charges. Charges getting up. We're going to win yeah. it. I've gone it's four from four for the NFC North. Um, but I'm with Jack. I think it won't be that easy because this one's in Green Bay. Don't play there that often. So I think that we win by less than a touchdown. Yeah, I'd say field goal as well for mine. Uh, but I've gone 4-0 for the Chargers as well in the NFC North. And as have I, and the morning's headlines going to be no love lost. Staley's defense bamboozles young Green Bay quarterback. And I reckon Love throws for two INTs, and we Excellent. win by by about a, by just under a touchdown. I'd suggest. Awesome. Right on.
Anything further, gentlemen? Well, uh, look, Jack, I'm very impressed at how you've kind of slid back into the non-hosting role because I know you're an English <laughs> teacher and I've been ha ch thinking about a bit of Richard of Gloucester, Shakespeare wants to be king of England uh, and then murders his brothers and nephews in any opposition <laughs> to get there and become King Richard III. So I can see you're plodding away, but I was very happy to have um, Andy back who had a lovely time at Lake Blair and other places in Europe. Um, so it's good to have you back, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me back, guys. And uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to be back in the studio talking Chargers football. Um, guys, be sure to join us on part two of the opponent series as we focus on the AFC East and the battle of that division. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Thunderdown Underchargers podcast. Bye. Bye.